We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers. My guest today is JP Sears. Welcome JP. Hey Daniel, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming on. JP is a legend on YouTube and on Facebook. He does a bunch of really funny, on, uh, really funny comedy videos about being ultra spiritual. Um, his website, Awaken with JP, and does a really good job of making fun of, well actually I'm not sure if making fun of or just being very serious sometimes, but making fun of people that think they're better than other people. Is that, am I kind of getting to that right? Like whatever category that falls into? I, I think that's true, whatever category that falls into. And by, uh, by the way, I think that's all categories. I think it's, yeah. it's portraying the nature of the human ego. And if you're part of the human condition, then I think that applies to you, definitely including me. <laughs> For sure. Like you said, every category can get can get that sense of ego and sense of superiority. And so let's take a jab at all of them. <laughs> Very cool. So give me, if you will, well, first off, what what videos have blown up the most for you? What, what have been your most popular pieces? Yeah, you know, uh, the 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 most viewed video is one I did several years ago. Man, it might even be four years ago at this point. It's called "If Meat Eaters Acted Like Vegans," and across you know Facebook, where it's been uploaded a few different times on different pages, including mine and YouTube. Uh, I believe that one alone has well over two hundred million views. Awesome. So that one's done quite well. Uh, also, another one uh, that's done quite well is one I did called how to become gluten intolerant. Love that one. And you know, I've been blessed along the way by no means does everything I touch turn to gold. Uh, you know, with videos, I find they have to dig, dig through a lot of dirt to get to gold. So not by no means does everyone go viral yet. I've been really blessed to have a good number of them uh, reach a lot of people around the world. That's awesome. So how did you get into this? Was it always the dream to become an online viral sensation or what what led your path to where you are now yeah yeah absolutely this has not always been my dream <laughs> um right now i feel like i'm living beyond my dream and i say that like just the the work i do it's so fulfilling it's creative i get to express myself in a way that amuses me and somehow it amuses other people so Man, it might have been limiting beliefs, but I never dreamt um, work could be this satisfying. So up until five years ago, I had been doing life coaching, working with people, helping them work through their you know, emotional challenges, self-sabotage, old pain that's holding them back, which by, in its own right, it was really great work. It was fulfilling in its own right. It was wonderful. But... During that time, like the, the first 13, 14 years of my career, I was always telling myself it would be a bad idea to let my sense of humor out publicly, professionally. <laughs> 
because it would discredit me as a, a life coach, kind of a spiritual guy. I need to be serious. <laughs> now, the worst part of that story is I believed it. I, I believed it for about 14 years. And then up until it was October 2014, that's when I put my first comedy video out. Now, I kept having these ideas come to me like, I want to share this perspective through the language of comedy because... You know, Daniel, probably much like yourself, you know, my sense of humor has been running rampant ever since I was a kid, got me into all kinds of trouble as a kid, but brought a lot of joy to my life. And it's, it's just been a very authentic part of me. So that authentic part of me was kept coming, like having these ideas, like, let's do this video. But then the, the stupid self-talk was like, no, bad for business. But eventually it was October, 2014. I said, all right, let me make this video made a video called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. I thought, well, this is going to be bad for business. It's not even going to be funny. Nobody's going to like it. It's going to discredit me. But I got to make the darn thing because I just kept having this urge. So I made the video and oddly enough, it turned out to you know, open a door that it, it's transformed my career and it's honestly transformed my life. And you know, along the way, what I've really learned to do is find more courage to just be more uh, unapologetically myself. So back to your question, no, like what I'm doing, it hadn't been the dream. I feel like I'm just forest gumping my way through it. Living beyond my dream, the more I follow my heart, the more things seem to uh, flourish in a wonderful way. But, you know, I never knew where I was going and I'll raise my hand and say like, I still don't know where the heck I'm going. I just do my best to follow my heart every day. Well, that's really kind of cool to hear that you as a life coach were actually self-sabotaging as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess what comes to mind is, did you, I mean, did you have a coach of your own? I know, I know that happens a lot when you have people that are coaching other people. They'll, they'll have their own mentors and their own coaches that they have accountability with, that they're working through things. Like all, all of us have crap, right? So much yeah. of it but going on between our ears is just nonsense, right? About what we can do, how much we cut ourselves down compared to what we could build ourselves up to be, that kind of thing. It, it, so it's just really interesting to see all the negativity and stuff that flowed through you before you kind of jumped to that, like taking that risk and that decision. Um, can, can you step me through that a little bit? Yeah. So, and you're right. Yes. I, I did have my own coach, you know, multiple coaches and, you know, with those coaches, I, I would do a, a, a lot of work in like the inner child realm. If people are familiar with that. So was I directly working on like, Oh, I think it, like, I want to let my humor out publicly, but I think it'll be bad for me. No, I wasn't working directly on that. But looking back, I can see like I was actually working indirectly with it because doing work on my inner child where, you know, we all seem to have this inner child where the ghost from our past haunts us. And even if you haven't been through traumatic stuff, you know, we all carry shame from our childhood. We have this sense of like, well, if people knew who I really was, they could never love me. And, you know, I'm not good enough the way I am. So I need to be the way I think I should be to get people's approval. So that's like, be serious is the way I thought I needed to be to get people's approval. So, you know, all the, the work I put in with my coaches, I can see like, of course, it, it, it worked so well for helping me eventually really free myself from 
the the I would call it the disconnection and the dishonoring of my inner child. It, whereas like now when I'm you know doing a video or doing stage comedy, my my inner child is my most brilliant gift. I, I look at the the you know how I see things through a playful lens where nothing is as it seems and let me find the hypocrisy about this let me find what's truly amusing about this situation that's the beauty of the inner child so you know it took me a long in fact I'll, I'll uh, I think it's Pablo Picasso he has a quote that says it takes a long time to become young and, you know, it took me a long time to become more fully connected and accept my gifts of my inner child. And you mentioned as a life coach, I was self-sabotaging, like, absolutely. But here's the weird thing. Life was good for me as a, a life coach. That, in my experience, that's the self-sabotage that's hard to get past because it's harder to recognize you know that ram Dass says you can't get out of the jail you don't know you're in now if you're always broke if you're drinking too much if you're you know not exercising you can see like okay that's an easy jail of self-sabotage to recognize right but i was earning decent money my work was fulfilling it was helping a lot of people but now looking back i can realize one of my challenges in life is oftentimes good things become an obstacle to greater things. Yeah. You know, it, it's scary to let go of something good because, you know, a, a dear friend of mine, Kyle Cease, he has a beautiful wise saying that says our minds can measure what we'll lose, but they can't measure what we're going to gain. They can measure the good that we're going to lose life coaching and ah, uh -huh. but they can't measure what we're going to gain because it's, it's a mystery. It hasn't arrived yet, but of course we know it's never going to arrive if we don't make the space for it. So how weird is it? The good can be an obstacle to the great. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Those are great quotes. Well, and your, your story's amazing. Like you said, when you're, when you're in a good state, you feel like if you try for that great state, you might lose what good you have, right? There might be a little bit of that scarcity feeling with it, but anyway. Um, so do you, do you still coach or is it now full-time entertainer com comedy kind of thing or are you still doing the coaching? You know, uh, I, I only have one uh, client. I, I officially gave up my whole practice, um, man, well, it's probably about three years ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, gradually phased it out, but um, gave the whole thing uh, um, up about three years ago. Just so many great opportunities the world of comedy has given me um, in entertainment. Yet there was, and, and I'll share it because she's, she shares it and she's given me full permission. I'll, of course, keep the details of our work private. But the one client I do have came from, I know, an organization you're very well aware of, Poopuri. I was doing some work with them a couple years ago uh, in, in Dallas for a shoot with Poopuri and the founder of Poopuri, just a magical lady, Susie Batiste. We were having a conversation, um, you know, between scenes and uh, we, it was just a very beautiful, heartfelt conversation. And she, she's just, uh, uh, I, I would call it a fiercely growth-oriented person. And she looked at me and said, JP, I want you to be my coach. And I said, Susie, let me sit with that. I've got so much going on. So 
uh, you know, to do her diligence because I didn't want to take her on as a client if I couldn't, you know, if I couldn't give her my all. So I sat with it for a couple months and I said, you know, it would be an honor to prioritize coaching with you. So yeah, I'm, I'm very privileged to have my one and only client as <laughs> Susie. She's just wonderful. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And she's really uh, preaching that out there too, of really having people kind of let go of them past their past selves and, and move beyond that. And so that's awesome that you're, you're helping her with all of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your poop to gold moment. When did things yeah. get really crappy for you before you were able to turn them into something positive? Well, you know, the, uh, Daniel, my problem is that I'm perfect. So I've never had any poopy yeah. moments. The uh, <laughs> fail interview right off the yeah. bat. <laughs> you know, there's been so many of them. And, you know, it is certainly what we talked about with my sabotaging, like denying my comedic nature. I think that certainly qualifies, but I want to share another one that's, it, it was more intense, more dramatic, more acute. About three years ago, I was in Costa Rica. It was shortly after my wife and I had met, and she was living down there at the time. So I go down to Costa Rica, and you know we'd been dating for a little while, so I'm going to be down there for an entire summer, about three months. And a week into my visit, I'm thinking like, okay, uh, Costa Rica, unique place. You know, everybody says Pura Vida, but it's like, yeah, there, there's some garbage going on here too. <laughs> we portray that in a funny video about Costa Rica. <laughs> so, uh, turns out Costa Ricans didn't think my video was very funny. So the, the, it was the very next day after the video was published, my wife and I, fiance at the time, we were walking to a coffee shop and I started getting harassed on the streets, like yelled at from the locals. And, you know, some of it was in English, some of it was a language barrier, but I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And it really quickly, I connected like, okay, there something about the video. Like, e. mm-hmm. I thought it was just like a fun, like satire about Costa Rica. And then that day the video was all over their national news. It was all over their national news for an entire week. They were discussing the video in their national assembly. They were seeing it as a threat to tourism. Oh my gosh. In the video, you know, I wasn't highlighting the beauty of Costa Rica. I was highlighting the, you know, satirical, like the underbelly of it. Like what's got good here. Mm -hmm. And that was the one and only video that I ever made and deleted off YouTube. Oh, wow. And it was a, a real struggle. And you know, I'll talk about how poopy it got in a second. But part of the struggle was like, all right, this is my art. Like, never will I like delete my art or my voice. I will not silence myself for anybody. But as I sat with that, and, and you know, certainly not everybody in the country was offended. I was getting messages like, hey, that's pretty funny, JP. I'm sorry people are you know, not taking it well. Uh, but there were also plenty of death threats coming in. But it was just a, you know, normally a put out a comedy video and whatever. 1% of people get offended. It's human. is just 2020 nature. But this was way higher than that. So as I... I sat with it and, and, you know, by the way, and I was, I had to stay in the house. Like I, I couldn't leave for, I mean, it was several weeks because it was just like oh, wow. getting harassed on the streets. It was yeah 
Um, you have an iconic look. It's not like they can't pick you out of a crowd in Costa Rica. <laughs> you know, white dude, long red hair. You know, like you're, you're right. Yeah, it's hard hard to hide. Uh, it, it was the most uncomfortable experience I can ever remember going through. But here's what happened. I was sitting with, okay, like, you know, my assistant saying, JP, just delete the video. Like, you know, protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to just delete it to people, please. Uh, yet I wanted to sit with like, okay, this video, there's a lot of people offended. There, there's people hurt. And as I sat with myself about it, I realized I wasn't coming from a good place with the video. Like, first off, I get it. A dude from first world America coming into kind of a second, third world-ish country. I get there's a cultural difference. Of course, the humor is going to not match up and it's going to look like a condescending thing. But also, you know, uh, it was humbling to realize, like, I missed the mark. Like people received it differently than I intended. And here's why I say I, I really wasn't in uh, the right place with it. I realized like I, it was misdirected anger in that video. So I decided my heart wasn't in the right spot. This is not how I want to represent my humor. It's not the message I'm looking to spread to the world. So I, it, it was the gold was owning I was wrong. Mm. And, and that created a shift, an uncomfortable one, because remember, like, the most uncomfortable three months of my life. But after that, my, my heart has, I've just been way more calibrated into my heart with my comedy, mm. where I know I want my comedy to be something that ultimately uplifts people. Yeah, I'll highlight some uncomfortable stuff. The egoic nature we have in different topics and themes yet i'm so dialed into where i'm coming from with the video and sometimes i'll have a idea for a video and it's like ah uh, nope jp you want to make that relationship video because you're, you're 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 stuffing stuff down inside instead of talking to your wife about it so mm -hmm. let me talk to my wife get get clear get right there so you know uh, that that was a very crappy experience that was very valuable for me that it's still it's giving me gifts and positive influence to this day several years later wow that's awesome tell me a little bit about that shift that happened when you went from because it sounds like you went from a little bit of an inward focus just to an outward um in the way that you were approaching the situation but how did that feel when you actually were able to be, I mean, enlightened for lack of a better term, when when the like the light bulb went off of, oh, I can I can think of this differently. Was describe that emotion to me of, of of shifting from, no, I don't want to delete it. I don't want like it's not, I'm not the problem here or whatever it was to, yeah. you know, changing that mindset. What what did that feel like? You know, it it felt. I would say I pierced the membrane. I was just lack of a better term. I was in the arrogance zone and I pierced through it and I was in a humble zone then. Okay. And, and, and honestly, I felt shame. Like, man, I, I was blind. Like I, I was really, you know, 
arrogant and how could I be so inconsiderate? So it, even that, like that breakthrough, it didn't feel good. It actually felt worse. And yet it was, you know, that's where the medicine was. And, And I could have stayed in the zone of arrogance and like, nope, it's my video. And, you know, it's just funny. And if you guys can't laugh about it and just go get offended by whatever you want, <laughs> I could have done that, but that just would have been a mechanism to avoid the intense discomfort on the other side of the membrane that's closer to my heart. Like, Oh man, like, and I would, I, I would call it healthy shame. Mm. We, we all know toxic shame, but there's yeah. also healthy shame where we do something that, isn't in our best interest. It doesn't represent our best self and it doesn't contribute to the world around us. So we feel this really uncomfortable, healthy shame. And it's good that it feels bad because it helps teach us a better way that serves us better and represents us better and contributes to the world around us better. So yeah, it was a crappy feeling moment of realization. Where I'm like, oh, ah, I was wrong. Ah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's an amazing story. And like I said, again, it is comforting to know that even people that are coaches and that they have their head as well wrapped around the world as someone like you, well, at least from the, the number of different enlightenment videos, it's clear that you have a very broad, a broad education you know, in, in, in different perspectives and things. You obviously have dealt with a lot of people that come from a lot of different um, um, beliefs and backgrounds. And it's just neat to see that, again, we're all human. We all suffer from the same egocentric human condition, but to be able to overcome that, reach into your heart and then go outward, that's, that's amazing that you were able to do that, so. Well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on now. So you're still producing videos. Yes. I'm um, still got your YouTube channel. You've got your Facebook page as well. Yeah. Um, what else do you have going on? So uh, up until our weird time of this mass quarantine, I was doing a lot of touring, doing live stand-up comedy shows, yeah. which was just those have been hot and heavy for a couple of years. And of course, when things open back up and it's safe and everybody's cool, uh, those will those will be coming back. It, until that happens, the other big thing I've got going on, I made a commitment when the quarantine began. I'm going to do a live stream, live comedy show every Friday night until the quarantine ends. So, and that's on top of I'm putting out two comedy videos every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm also producing a a live stream comedy show. I want to give people a night out while they're stuck in their own homes. So hopefully that won't be for long. I mean, I'm enjoying the shows, but hopefully people won't have to be stuck forever. Um, so, you know, that, that's taking up a, a, a lot of focus throughout the week, preparing the show, putting it together, and then uh, implementing it on Friday nights. So I've got that going on. And then aside from that, doing my best to be the best husband I can be and, and even look up at the sky and enjoy myself here and there. That's great. Do you have, any, do you have anyone that helps you write or is it all you? You know, it's all me. Um, that's amazing. My, yeah, I, I want to give my videographer a shout out, Cal Schellenberger. He's worked with me for a little over a year. So he's a great videographer and now he does all my editing and he's just really freed me up to be much more in the 
the zone of my genius, which is writing comedy, coming up with ideas. Um, but, you know, he, and, and he's got a great creative mind on him as well. So sometimes like we'll just be out doing whatever we're doing and I'll come up with an idea for a new video and I'll just start riffing on it. You know, I haven't even wrote it yet, but yeah. just start riffing on it. We're in the car together, whatever. And then he'll start bouncing, you know, his sounding board and, and he, he adds so much great creativity to it so it's technically not a writer but in other times he'll just say like gp this would be a good video idea and then i'll take it and i'll write it like right yeah i'll give you an example a couple weeks ago he said jp you do you should do a video about celebrities in quarantine <laughs> and you know it's kind of doing a parody on the celebrities who are in their mansions telling us little people yeah. how to live you got to stay in your homes <laughs> yeah. so we did that. And, and, you know, that video on, you know, Facebook has gotten over a million views. I think awesome. YouTube's 600,000. And it's like, that was his idea. It's like, what a super relatable. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I got to give Cal a shout, shout out with that. Uh, that's awesome. Well, and he tapped into something really relatable for people. I saw a headline in the Bab on the Babylon Bee of the celebrities spelling out in the ocean with their yachts. We're all in this together. <laughs> They've got all these yachts that are spe speckled across this whole bay that the spell out, we're all in this together. <laughs> anyway, so he, he tapped into a real truth there of us all being like, do you get it though, really? <laughs> Maybe we're not gonna have you tell us how to live. <laughs> that's right. So that's great. Well, if it, so like you said, it's not he's necessarily a credited writer, but it, it's like he's a member of your writer's room, if you will, right? Bouncing ideas, part of the creative process. He's definitely on the creative team for sure. That's great. Um, when do you find your ideas flow the best? Like when, when they're, go ahead. When I have white space. Okay. When, when Describe I, that. Yeah. So first off, what's not that? is when I'm going balls to the wall, sun up to sun down, I'm just crushing it. You know, like I might be writing other videos that are in process, filming videos and doing great things. But when I've got activity, 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 schedule, 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 no white space. And I find no white space, very little creativity. So for me, great white space is like, cool, I'm gonna be done with, work at six o'clock and I'm going to go sit in my backyard and play with my dogs. So there's no task, there's no scheduled activity. And oftentimes ideas just come into my mind. Yep. And, and, you know, my wife could tell you, people ask me, what's your favorite thing to do? Not have things scheduled. <laughs> so that might be like cool like in this moment I'm gonna go work out in this moment I want to take a walk so I might be doing something but it's not a sense of a task so it, there's something freed up in my mind like the satellite dish opens and ideas will come in so I, I found white space is a very valuable asset in my business so you know in it, man, I'm a workaholic by nature. So this is such a tough lesson for me to learn. Yet intellectually, I've realized it is lucrative for me to be less productive. Because when I'm less productive, I've got white space where the, the rich ideas come in. That's so awesome. And I talk about this all the time, how some of my greatest ideas come while I'm in the bathroom. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's because, again, if my mind's able to wander while I'm in the shower, and then also sometimes I'll just turn off the radio while I'm driving in the yeah. car, and that's a really good time as well. But yeah, I totally agree that your, your brain has to take a break in order to do some of its best stuff. Yeah, you know, in, in, if I have permission to sound like a pretentious creative for a second. Please do. I'm actually begging for it. <laughs> you know, and Daniel, I'd be curious your perspective on this. For me, the ideas, especially the great ideas, were just right off the bat. You're like, that's a wonder, that's going to go well. Oh, that's a great idea. It doesn't feel like my mind comes up with those. It feels like I receive them. So it, it feels like I, I'm, the ideas are something that are, they're listened to by like the soft whisper in my ear from the creative muse. Um, yeah, I could, I could totally relate with that. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, that quiet space and, you know, quiet both in the audibly quiet, like, yep, I'm, uh, I've had to stop listening to as many podcasts because I need literal quiet and I need the quietness of activity with the doingness because that allows the listening to happen. It's mm. awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love that tip right there. Cause I find myself jamming my, my schedule, all my monotonous task schedule things full of, like if I'm washing the dishes, if I'm driving, whatever, I, I find myself jamming that full of either audiobooks or podcasts. Yeah. And I, I need to remind myself to often just kind of, wait, it's okay to just work in the garden here for a moment and not have something going into my ear where I'm multitasking, you know? A hundred percent. Man, I, I'm glad. Thank you for that reflection because I, I need to hear this every single day. And, you know, I, I know some creatives might be different. Yet the creatives who are of the, the same, you know, fingerprint as you and I, I would just say like the, the best business advice is nurture the relationship you have with your creative news. Mm -hmm. I think Stephen uh, Pressfield talks uh, about that in his own way in his book, um, The War of Art. Awesome. Um, speaking of books, you've got a book. It is called How to Be Ultra Spiritual, 12 and a Half Steps to what is it again? To 12 and a Half Steps to Spiritual Superiority. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that's Anna on Amazon. You guys for sure should check that out, but that's going to be a really good read for you. Um, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's been a really enlightening conversation. I mean that both tongue-in-cheek and seriously. <laughs> and um, where would where do you want our audience to go to look you up? Yeah, well, right now I'm in my home office, so if you want to creep around to my front window through the bushes, <laughs> you'll find me there. Now, um, I, I would love to, uh, if people want to find me, you can find me on YouTube, uh, all the places, social media. My handles are Awaken with JP, and I've also got some special goodies on my website, awakenwithjp.com. And uh, Daniel, thank you for having me. I have been a massive fan of your work, what the Harmon brothers do. I mean, y'all are just legends in this space. Uh, you inspire me more than you'll ever know. So thank you for leading the way with what you do and helping me be a better person and a better creative and a better comedian 
because of what you do. And it's just such an honor to connect with you here on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Same admiration goes back your way. Again, it's, it's really insightful to learn that you're able to write and speak with such authority in these videos because you are an authority at the end of, at the, end of the day. Like we always talk about being able to get into the customer's shoes in order, in order to be able to write in a relatable way for the customer. And that makes so much sense of why your content, it's not, you're not doing this from the outside looking in, you're very much doing it from the reverse, from the inside yeah. looking out. And so that makes sense why your content flows so naturally in that way. So awesome. Thanks again for joining us and thank you all for listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can get more of these great podcasts coming up and we'll see you on the next one. We all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary, or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step -step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, you actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and people tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge, and and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had. Um, we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.